Hey everyone, welcome to episode 99 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. Today, we are going to go over some Modern Horizons, finally. <laughs> finally! You've actually gotten to play with the set a little bit. I'm CCR, I'm here with Collins Mullen, you guys knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm here as well. Yeah, I, uh, I was just at uh, Grand Prix DC mm-hmm. last weekend, played the Modern Horizons Grand Prix. It was a blast, a lot of fun. Yeah. The set is really fun. Draft format. Sealed was fine. We made it through Sealed. <laughs> uh, so that was good. But really, really phenomenal draft format. Cool. I know you guys worked a lot on it. I, I wasn't able to do too much. Yeah. So kind of after the Invitational, a bunch of the Lotus Box people were here at our house, and we spent pretty much the entire week just jamming drafts and sealed pools and all sorts of stuff to prepare for DC. And and that was great because it's, you know, it, it's a Grand Prix, but we're not really invested in the Grand Prix circuit. So we were kind of able to take this kind of like more relaxed, hey, mm-hmm. we get to play a limited now approach. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Which you know. we just don't get to do so much on yeah. the SCG tour. It's sad. It's I fun. love limited. Limited's phenomenal. That's just not where we're at these days. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were able to test for it. And it felt it felt a lot like pro tour testing. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Of just like you know, we really wanted to make sure that we understood all of the archetypes and how to draft them all, and just like general draft theory and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, great. you guys were definitely working. It was cool. Yeah, and your records ended up kind of reflecting the the prep that you put in. Oh so yeah, like yeah, we we put four people in a day two. Our final records were um, I went eleven and four. Zan went eleven and four. Uh, Evan Whitehouse went twelve and three, and Zach Keeney also went 12 and 3. Uh, they actually, Evan and Zach ended up playing in the second to last round at X and 2. Mm-hmm. And then Zach ended up winning that and then losing his winning end to gotcha. the top 8. That's rough. Yeah. But, you know, phenomenal records all around. We felt really good about our preparation stuff. So Cool. Good. I'm glad. So before we get too into it, I want to take one quick second to thank our patrons. A uh, couple of new patrons this week. Thank you to Connor, David, Brian, Michael, and Brent. Really cool. We're starting to get patrons sort of trickling in again, and that's really nice. And we have stuff planned. we got plenty of stuff coming up. Uh, most importantly, next week's episode, we are going to be broadcasting live. Uh, we will definitely be putting out the exact time and the day and everything on, on Twitter and all the other places where you can find us. So yeah, we're going to be recording live on streaming and on Twitch so everybody can hang out and ask us questions and whatnot during the actual recording of the podcast. And then we'll obviously post the podcast in all the normal places. And we will have a whole new set of Patreon, Patreon rewards for everybody to hopefully get hopefully get excited about. Oh yeah, hopefully, I'm excited. Hopefully people yeah. think they're good, but, but we will be unveiling those next week. This week though, talking about Modern Horizons... You know, just in time for M20 spoilers to start, but we haven't really gotten a chance to do our sort of set review thing, so we brought in Lee McLeod to come hang out with us. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris and Colin. <laughs> thought you forgot about me. <laughs> well, you know, we got to do our, like, intro and yeah, stuff. So- <laughs> just make you sweat a little bit. Yeah, works with the uh, the interrogation motif they set up. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were actually just going to do a prank where you, you know, we had you sit here and listen to us record the podcast, <laughs> and we just never <laughs> talked to you. Trapped here for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea here is we're not going to do a full set review because, you know, this set is targeted towards modern and kind of casual stuff at the same time and since it's not standard legal 
probably not a huge of a percentage of the cards are going to have constructed application. And so we kind of just wanted to have a little bit more of a chill look at this. Bring in Lee because he has different perspectives on cards than, than we do. And we just each kind of came up independently with a top eight list of cards. And we want to make sure to hit the cards that we are kind of most excited about. Seems like seem like they'll have impact. We didn't have like a strict metric for what makes the top eight, but just cards that we were most excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do we just want to like go around and everybody do like their eighth and then seventh and then yeah, sixth? Let's and... go. Yeah, bottom I, to top. Yeah, I think yeah. that that works out pretty well. Okay, Lee, yeah. you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. I think my number eight was uh, Force of Vigor. Okay, two GG instant exile a green card on not your turn. Yes, <laughs> to kill two artifacts or enchantments. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really funny how much that text stands out on not force of negation in the <laughs> yeah. cycle. Yeah, especially on the red one. Well, yeah. the red one would be insane if you could cast it on your turn, and it's just garbage yeah. because you can't. But the red one is the red one. I think was designed mostly for limited play because it. It's good. There. We mm-hmm. yeah, we kind of stumbled across that as being much stronger than we anticipated in limited testing because it, you can just on your opponent's turn, turn it into a two-for-one. Like, yeah. if your opponent mm-hmm. attacks you with two three-threes, you can just be like, you know, two three-one blockers, get you. Right, it's just like a good wing shards right. turn. Yeah, yeah. For constructed for this green force. Yeah. <laughs> right. it's, a, it's, it's a really good sideboard card. Yeah. Just being able to go up on... Having interaction against, like, these... Artifacts and enchantments are not fair in modern. Like, right. no. Your opponent's playing artifacts or enchantments. They're like cheating in some way. Uh, <laughs> whether it's like Pyromancer Ascension or Altered Dementia or whatever. And being able to like use your mana to tap out and play your own cards on your turn yeah. and then still have interaction if your opponent tries to like destroy you with artifacts or enchantments, just it's very powerful. And this is the one of the forces that both you get your mana advantage because it's free and it also can keep you at card parity because if you two for two then you're not down a card so that's but but like you said like if people are playing artifacts or enchantments in modern they're generally not doing fair stuff that's why like ancient grudge has always been a healthy inclusion in the format despite being like totally brutal (laughs) against artifact decks right yeah and the forces i've already seen it have a pretty big impact in vintage just because there's artifacts everywhere yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it's like a double stone, right? right. Half, half yeah. of the artifacts and vintage are just restricted. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So killing, killing two of them is really good. Yeah. You get to kill two restricted cards. Yeah. So it's that's great. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely free spell, good. I, I've seen it in sideboards of decks I don't even expect to see it in. I've seen a couple of, like, I've seen uh, Dredge and Bridgevine pick it up just as. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have this. I have very few green cards, but if I need to interact, I've got. I don't have much green mana, but we can just use it. Interesting. It's cool. Interesting. It's, it's got okay. played in a lot of spots where you just don't need to have a lot of green mana, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool for a kill two, right? Artifacts kind of effect. Yeah, mm. it's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely. I bet that people are over including it over like oh, nature's I think claims. So, absolutely. Yeah. But it is interesting that you have that option mm-hmm. where that you. You need a certain amount of green cards, otherwise the card doesn't work. Right. But you can cheat its double green casting cost mm-hmm. uh, just by having a few green cards. In that it. makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Going to see a lot of play in lots of formats oh, over yeah. time. It's great. Collins, what you got? So my number eight is Magmatic Sinkhole. Ooh, okay. This one's on my list too. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this one seems 
it's it's interesting how you know sometimes like a common from a set slips through into pretty high constructed playability, mm-hmm. and you know delve cards with a single colored mana <laughs> just automatically playable somewhere. <laughs> pretty playable in modern. So this one is the five and a red instant five damage to a creature or planeswalker delve. Yep. Um, and you know we I think that we talked about this earlier on the podcast as well, but mm-hmm. I'm, I just expect this card to kind of take over like the lightning axe slot in Phoenix and probably has other like applications in just you know red decks that are interested in killing creatures with more than three toughness. Yeah, and and it I think it like really fundamentally changes what red is capable of doing. Reactive red decks are capable of dealing with. Yeah. You know, you don't have to include roast in your deck anymore. <laughs> right. Harvest Pyre. <laughs> yeah. Harvest a Pyre. Favorite. Right, right. I mean, this is just like Harvest Pyre on absolute steroids. Yeah. And it kills Planeswalkers. And it kills, which I think is it's huge. gigantic. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely a big uh, element. Especially for, for Phoenix. Like, yeah. upgrading your, your lightning axes to magmatic insight or magmatic sinkhole. Yeah. Uh, you can kill Narset now. Yeah. Especially, and then they have a very difficult choice because the play pattern up until now has often been Narset pass. But if you Narset, don't get a card out of it, and then they pay one mana to kill your Narset. Uh, And then do a thing. And then do a thing because that's a spell. Like that's what they're trying to do. That's really bad for the Narset player. So this is going to create some really interesting situations. And also, yeah, just in general, like it's a main deckable card in lots of different red decks that can deal with threats that like you know red blue decks just weren't capable of dealing with so that's that's neat yeah, i remember flame slash right mm-hmm. this is a card people play every now and then i yeah. registered it in, at a, the envy oh yeah you did <laughs> yeah the, it's a sorcery it only has four damage yep insight's <laughs> huge over that right although when you are running finale of promise it's really nice every once in a while to have a sorcery removal spell in your graveyard so you can double up on that and but it's still pretty niche and the sinkhole does have some weird play patterns where it's not always a single mana because you have to have a graveyard first mm-hmm. so early in the game it's kind of hard to cast right. right it's really hard to kill like a champion of the parish on turn one or two with it right like, that's just not going to happen yeah yeah even a turn three narset uh, as phoenix sometimes you'll have to use all your mana for it and exile like three cards yeah mm-hmm. or, or like one of the cards you exile is like a faithless looting or something yeah. like you get forced into some awkward stuff for sure so you know it's not a card that i'm trying to stick like three or four of into a deck most of the time it's a great two of yeah so my number eight is uh, Giver of Runes. So I don't know if this is on anybody else's list. This is... Yep, I okay. made my list. Great. This is one white mana for a 1-2 core. I think very specifically not a human. Bummer. <laughs> uh, tap another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or the color of your choice until end of turn. Um, so certainly worse than Mom as just like a turn off my opponent's removal deck mm-hmm. card. Mm-hmm. But we've already been seeing this do a lot of stuff, protecting combos out of like devoted druid type decks. It's sort of like a flag bearer is kind of the role that it's playing. You have yeah. to kill the mom before you can kill the more important stuff. In the creature combat matchups, where just like there's not very much removal on each side, it just absolutely dominates the board. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I've, um, I've heard it been compared to uh, Benevolent Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that comparison because it's like a one time use and then it's usually off the table. Yeah. Right, and that's that's certainly the role it plays against the removal decks, and sometimes that's exactly what you want. Um, but the upside of like, if the, it sticks around, it's just mom. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. If they if they are not a removal heavy deck and they're trying to fight you with creatures, and you just have creatures that gain protection from theirs, like they're never going to win that fight. Yeah, it really good to search up with the new uh, 
Ranger Captain of Eos. Yep. Just, I think, going to have a lot of impact going forward in modern. Like, we have a good white one drop that, like, helps your other creatures and works in creature combo decks. Two toughness, too. Yeah. Which is good. Really good. With Gutshot and Lava, Lava Dark. Lava Yep. Two toughness is a big upgrade over one. Yep. And protection from Meldrazi sometimes matters. The colorless thing is not completely irrelevant. So. Yeah. Certainly, think... overall, a downgrade from Mother of Runes. Oh, well, yeah. They, but... I don't think they'd refront Mother of Runes no. for us. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, you know, already already making an impact. And I'm sure that. I, I don't think this is one of the overhyped cards. I think that this is going to become a mainstay mm-hmm. in multiple different kinds of archetypes, too, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. You know, I think that it's going to be a mainstay in creature combo decks, like, you know, uh, Devoted Druid decks, mm-hmm. um, and, like, de- Death and Taxes style yeah. uh, decks as well. I've also seen lists of uh, spirits with it as, mm-hmm. like, a one-drop, because, you know, these spirits decks do everything they can to run, like, the minimum number of spirit creatures <laughs> yeah. required, because they're right. all really bad except for, like, the lords and maybe rattle chains or whatever. But, right. you know, just as a way, like, this is another way to protect your spell quellers and oh, yeah. also your lords and stuff like that. And so it, and then if you want to be playing spirits and then protect your spirits, this is a thing that does that. So lots of, lots of utility for this. Yeah, it's a great card. My my number seven is another one mana card. It's Unearth Reprint. Ah, yeah. From Urza's Legacy. This is actually my number. This is my number three. So I'm Ooh, completely on board. Real high on it. Yeah. Well, I understand that it's probably not going to be the most powerful thing in the set, but the stuff that it's trying to do is stuff that I'm really on board with. So I mean, it's your. This is yours. So so you can. Oh, I, I just love Unearth. It's it's so flexible. Mm-hmm. That's I think my favorite part about it. If it's bad to start with, you can just cycle it away. Yep. If you have no graveyard or if the cards you're in your graveyard aren't good, you just get another card. And there's no other real card that has been like that, mm-hmm. that does what Unearth does. It pulls cards from the graveyard. You know, I, I approached it at first as kind of like a combo enabler kind of redundancy, dump your graveyard, get things back. Yeah. But I, I've seen it used in fairways. And it's pretty cool there, too. I, I think I against, saw it used yeah, in this yeah, fairway. I was gonna, I, was yeah. gonna, I, I played against... Uh, Esper Death Shadow mm-hmm. uh, in a modern league, and my opponent played Ranger Captain of Eos mm-hmm. and tutored up a Death Shadow. And then he played the Death Shadow, and then on his upkeep, sacrificed the Ranger so I couldn't play my other, my cards. Right. I was playing an artifact deck at the time. Surprise. Then he goes to his turn, <laughs> unearths it, and does the same thing, and I can't do anything again. Right. So go and then the you're instead of and death. Gets, gets another Death Shadow. Yeah, and gets another Death Shadow. And I was like, wow, yeah. Unearth is really good <laughs> yeah yeah i think that kind of the most underrated element of that card is the mana advantage that you get out of it. oh yeah it's because huge. on the turn that you're unearthing it you can also then like play both of the death status that you found right of the first two castings of it right right I, I'm, I'm still thinking about all these cards in a limited context so i'm going to use this analogy a lot but i was in our limited testing i was blown away by how effective that became in limited where you could like mm-hmm. double, double spell, spell really early right because the play pattern of like two drop attack Trade two drops, played two drop, and unearth okay. another two drop. It was super strong. Yeah, that makes sense. And didn't yeah. didn't your opponent also like Snapcaster Mage to like keep that? Yeah, lock the third going? the third time he cast unearth was Snapcaster unearth get Ranger sack. You can't cast anything, and then I died. Yeah. Well, I just like wow. couldn't cast spells three turns in a row with the, a combination of Ranger Vios, Ranger Captain of Vios, and mm-hmm. unearth. It was like 
I, I laughed at it at first. I'm like, this is cute. It buys my turn. Then it just kept happening. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And, and Snapcaster is great with Unearth too because you can, yeah, you can Snapcaster. Snapcaster. Right. Or right. you can Snapcaster the Unearth. Like either order, like you're getting exactly what you... It, it lets your Snapcaster get creatures and it lets your Unearth get spells, mm-hmm. which just like opens up a lot of possibilities, just flexibility in, in using your graveyard. So yeah, that's just really, really cool overall. Yeah. I like Unearth a lot. Also, shout out to the art of Unearth, like the new art, mm-hmm. the one they reprinted with. It's it's a Phyrexian negator coming back, Ooh, which wow. is how people used Unearth in the, like right. the first time it was around. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's a real, awesome. real cool callback. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really into Unearth too. I there's a lot of really cool things you can do with it, and I really love the like exploiting it as a way of getting both a mana advantage and like versatile graveyard tutoring sort of thing like i i love like getting eternal witness back with it or something like that which is probably on the weaker side of things you can do with it in modern but if there's a deck that is like have using its graveyard and just has an eternal witness and you can go unearth my eternal witness get back on earth unearth my other thing that's pretty good yeah yeah definitely so just it being so cheap cycling like Creatures in modern cap out at about three converted mana cost anyways, so it gets back a lot of good stuff and a lot of value stuff. So I, I definitely want to see where this goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number seven is On Thin Ice. Kind of a card that, you know, not many people have talked about, but I think it could potentially have a lot of application in archetypes like blue-white control in in modern, where it's, you know, they're pretty fine fetching for some number of basics anyways, and on thin ice kind of represents just like an extra path to exile that is kind of disruptable in some ways because you know cards like ghost quarter do exist but i think that the like the archetypes that you really want removal spells against aren't really going to be disrupting your lands too much i'm excited to see you know if people start kind of testing that out i know my teammate dylan had brewed up a couple of blue white lists that incorporated on thin ice um just as like another interesting cheap efficient removal spell um that exiles which can be relevant yeah yeah definitely and i mean the the fact that it does not give them a land lets you cast it guilt-free much earlier in the game right yeah you can exactly the point i was gonna make (laughs) (laughs) yeah having earlier removal is so good and blue white just doesn't have any right now that's the main reason that blue white feels so clunky to me it's like you draw hand with path and you're like removal spells were good and then you realize you can't use your path right because they go like noble hierarchy and you're like okay like go ahead noble hierarchy me (laughs) and then on thin ice just like if i I don't haven't seen numbers or anything and i don't know how vulnerable the card is Mm -hmm. but just having an early removal spell that's fairly unconditional in your mini basics deck yeah it just seems really good. Yeah, I cautiously optimistic. the The weaknesses are primarily that it's a sorcery, and that in modern is like a little bit risky. But people were already running oust in their blue white decks. I think that oust is kind of stock now, even. Yeah. Um, and Unthin Ice just to me seems like a huge upgrade to that. It seems better. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's actually worse at dealing with noble hierarch than. True, because like them oh. drawing in a noble hierarch on turn three is fine. Yeah, like you actively want that to be yeah, their yeah, draw yeah. step by that time, by that point in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's also a little awkward that not only ghost quarter and stuff answers it, things like engineered explosives can answer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, fair. Anything in that vein that people right. might main deck. Right, right. So you know, it's like a lot worse against a worm coil engine than a a path or something is. Yeah. So yeah, very but not true. by too much. 
Yeah. I, I think it's still, we'll definitely see some play, for sure. My number seven is Ella Domri's Call. So yeah. this is a reprint from Plane Shift, green, white for an instant, search your library for a creature card, put it into your hand, shuffle your library. So super simple, super elegant creature tutor. All it requires is that you have green mana and white mana. Unlike Court of Calling, it doesn't like require you to have creatures in play. It doesn't let you do, doesn't make you do the whole thing kind of at once. You get to break up like paying for the tutor and paying for the creature. Although it doesn't let you like flash the creature in is kind of the difference there. But other than that, it's a lot like Cord, just with kind of a lower threshold of requirement. And we've already been seeing it in these devoted Druid decks, and I think just going forward. You know, two-mana creature tutor is something that Modern has been missing and is pretty powerful. It also lets you put the creature in your hand instead of in play, which is sometimes an upside, especially mm-hmm. for cards like Walking Blista. Walking Blista, for yeah. sure. One drawback is if you spend all of your mana to, like, get a Vizier into play, and now you have infinite green mana, if you have Court of Calling in your hand, you win the game. Hey. If you have Call in your hand, you can't cast it. But that's why these decks have been trending towards uh, Finale of Devastation, right? Instead yeah. Instead of Court of Calling? Yeah. Because that uses all the green mana, and you can still play Eladami's Call and get your, your pieces. Right, right, right. And and I think overall just the flexibility is, is really powerful. So, yeah. Definitely a card that I liked a lot as a child, <laughs> and I'm kind of excited to see it back. Do you, do you see it being played in any fair scenarios? Like, I've only seen it in the Dravoto Druid deck so far, and I really don't see it like... It's not really worth a card to have access to a creature in your deck, unless that creature is going to like put you significantly far ahead. I mean, maybe you're right, but I think right now is not really a fair analysis of like what the card could do, because playing a creature deck, you were forced by the presence of Hogak in the metagame to be playing a he- combo-heavy creature deck that's like all, kind of all in on the combo. Having powerful tutor effects gives incentive in the future for more mid-rangey stuff to maybe pop up. It may just never be good enough for modern, though. I, I completely agree. So, we'll see. Yeah, so that's only been out for a few days now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's already seen play in, in probably the second best deck that I've seen so far out of the new set, yeah. which is the Devoted Druid combo deck. Right. That's, and that, that deck... Most of the lists are running like four finales of devastation, four Eladomri's calls right. as their tutors. Right. And yeah, it's it's seemed quite good in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you just get the ancillary bonus of like I've got one collector oof in my sideboard, and I've got one you know graveyard hate creature in my sideboard, and I've got one eidolon white eidolon in my sideboard, and like all right. of these tutors, and that's really nice. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, very very strong for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah like. If the if the card can ever tutor you, something gets you super far ahead, it's great. Yeah. There's like a lot of potential for that card. Definitely. You can put it in your unearth deck, get your <laughs> get your Abzan, creature that Abzan you want to unearth. unearth. Yeah. Get your eternal witness. Yeah. <laughs> get your eternal witness, get your call back, get another eternal witness. Ooh. We're doing it. Yeah, We've two got ones. So many two ones. <laughs> <laughs> Five mana two ones. That's what it came from modern for. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, I've got I've got the I've got the next card for value here. Okay, all right, what is I'm it? ready. It's uh it's Goblin Engineer. Okay, it's, all right. Uh, one red, one two. I uh, trusted you to put this on your yeah, list, so I didn't put it online. <laughs> Entombs for an artifact, and it's got a weird Goblin Welderish ability. You mm-hmm. can pay red and tap and sack it, sack an artifact, and you get an artifact from your graveyard with three converted mana costs or less. The templating is a little more modern than yes. Goblin Welders. Yeah. It's, it's not a weird hate card for artifact decks also the <laughs> enabler yeah yeah i actually played against 
uh, Goblin Welder deck re- yesterday on Magic Online, and my opponent tutored for Trinisphere, and I was like, okay, that's fine, but it's, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And then they put it into play, you know, and it delayed me. And then in my instep, they sacked it again. And then they were able to cast spells on their turn and get then it get it back and put it back into play on my turn. And I was like, hang on, this is <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair. So, yeah, definitely a lot of interesting and cool things that you can do with it. But the thing that they did with it was cast a two-mana spell and then get the Trinisphere back so they could have just cast the two-mana spell for three mana there. Yeah, so it's, true, it's, yeah. It's bad short-term, but if they can do that for two or three turns and it's slowing Collins yeah. down, like right. that's that's really that's right. a really big advantage. It definitely is a thing yeah. that, that can work. Uh, yeah. It's very similar to Welder in that it's, the longer it's in play, mm-hmm. the more advantage you gain out of it yeah uh, especially since you're you know typically building your deck to utilize its ability very well mm-hmm. uh a Icar, lot of icker wellspring <laughs> yeah icker wellspring is a good one uh just to have an artifact to sack and bring back mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people have been playing sword of the meek decks with it because you can just tutor for a sword of the meek throw it in the graveyard yeah and i actually really don't like goblin welder decks that don't have that in them because any goblin welder deck is unlikely to have a ton of creatures and so game one, you play your Goblin Welder, or you play your Goblin Engineer, I'm sorry. You play game one, and you're like, okay, well, I get like this value card that I'm going to start cycling into play. And then they're just like, okay, well, here is this Lightning Bolt or this Fatal Push that I still have in my deck because it's game one. But if you have Sword Combo in your deck, you know that your Goblin Engineer is going to die. You can put the sword into your graveyard, and then if it doesn't die, you'll find a way to get value out of it. If it does die, you at least did a thing, and now you just need to draw Thopter Foundry to to get things going. So I really, really like versions that have the combo in them, and the ones that don't, I'm a little questioning of. Uh, it's it's one of those cards that's got a, a really wide range of what you can do with it, mm-hmm. and I doubt people even scratch the surface of it. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a way to build your deck where you can take advantage of a value engine type of role and have their removal be dead because you're playing other creatures. Yeah. Or not dead, but you know, but they have to prioritize tax, different like, things. There's just, they're not guaranteed to have a fatal push in their hand when you cast your goblin engineer. Right. Yeah. It just depends. I, 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 this deck has this deck, this card has a lot, a lot you can do with it. And I'm just kind of excited to see what people can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. The, the range for it is extremely broad but i think like my my gut is like you really want to have if not thopter sword like something that wins the game yeah certainly something that wins the game in there and also something that gives you value just by being in the graveyard even if they kill your goblin somehow that that having those things i think helps really push the card so i do like the way it's designed where they uh not a lot of artifacts are active in your graveyard Mm -hmm. so it can't be used as like a a self engine, mm-hmm. right? Kind of cool, right? Right. There's no like bridge from below that you can just yeah. entomb with it or something like that, <laughs> right? So my number six is Renin Six. Ah, <laughs> uh, conveniently located on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let me just read it real quick. Yeah, it's got a lot of text. Yeah. Um, so this is a two mana planeswalker. This is red green for a three loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, return up to one target land card from your graveyard to your hand. Minus one, one damage to any target. Minus seven, you get an emblem with incident sorcery cards in your graveyard have retrace. Yeah. Which is the Raven's Crime ability. Yeah. Um, so I've seen people talking about this card a lot in Legacy. It's got a lot of applications in Legacy. You can recur your wastelands. Mm-hmm. You can ping down Delvers. You can... 
you know, just kind of like have this two mana crucible essentially that yeah. is pretty effective. It's always kind of fun to see like powerful, cheap cards making new impacts on these eternal formats. I'm excited to see kind of like how big of an impact that ends up having on. Yeah, it's Legacy. definitely seemed at its best in the matchups where like I have Delvers, I want to kill your Delvers. Right. I have these wastelands that I would like to have a two mana crucible for. Right. And and the, the combination of those abilities is pretty powerful. Especially if you're you're getting all these wastelands and your your Ren's ticking up, they have to deal with it eventually, or you you can retrace brainstorms. Yes. <laughs> Which is silly. That'll be fun. <laughs> That's really good. That's a lot of brainstorms. <laughs> and then once they're at like nine or something, then you just bolt them three times from your graveyard and yeah. yeah. Uh I think people really underestimated uh, Liliana the Last Hope when it first came out because they were like, oh, you know, the plus doesn't really do much and, you know, the minus is, like, fine. But just the fact that it can, like, threaten to win the game if you just, like, have it in play and it keeps on keeps on plussing. Like, you know, control players are going to... You know, it might be a really, really powerful engine against, like, a, you know, like a Grixis control deck because they're going to have to get rid of it eventually. Yeah, yeah. And this... If you start ticking off the creatures in Legacy that this kills, you know, it kills Delver, it kills Young Pyromancer, it kills Baleful Strix, it forces their mom to tap so that you can yeah. use a removal spell that turn, which right. is, like, that's a necessity. You have to have the Liliana or something like that, so you're not just spending an insane amount of cards to start killing their creatures. Right. Um, and then it kills their Flicker Wisp once you've gotten their mom off the table, so. I don't know. just does a lot of work. I don't know that Modern will ever be in a place for this card we don't have lands like wasteland to exploit but it is really cheap and the crucible ability on a two mana card that's pretty powerful yeah absolutely if modern ever slows down i I honestly don't see that happening yeah some world where there's just mid-rangey decks that can exist Ren six could be pretty good i mean this is the kind of value engine that like encourages you to build different decks yeah, around it's, it it's a payoff for doing that so i hope that we get to a spot yeah where we can cast around in six in modern that, yeah. that would make me pretty happy but for now it's great i think it's great legacy yeah yeah um, my number six is seasoned pyromancer so this is one red red for a 2-2 human shaman when it enters the battlefield discard two cards then for each non-land card discard the, discarded this way you create a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token and it's got three red red exile it from your graveyard create two 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens i mean this is another one where i'm afraid that modern is too fast for it you also draw two cards off the first ability oh yeah you draw two cards <laughs> off the first ability. Uh, that's is, that's pretty important yeah, which is cool because if you're hellbent and play this card you just draw two cards it's yeah. not you can't the discard is not optional but you also draw you go up cards if you have fewer cards in your hand right it, so it's like a reveler effect there so it's yeah. just a three mana two two that draws two cards which at that point in the game is probably exactly what you want to be doing. oh yeah yeah i mean people were talking about this card in like dredge but i think cathartic reunion dredge has kind of been a little overshadowed by <laughs> cards i'm sure we'll talk about later <laughs> but <laughs> The really cruddy thing is, like, I was excited about it because I was like, this is a cool thing that could enable Vengevine to be like a, you know, a, <laughs> oh, maybe Vengevine sort of a medium with speed <laughs> deck with some powerful, some good staying power with Season Pyromancer. Yeah. And yeah. then that just got all thrown out the window. <laughs> Vengevine is here and it's not because of Season Pyromancer. Yeah. Um, But this is a card that I think is a good, like, addition to certain faithless looting base creature decks yeah where it 
is another like discard outlet that is also a playable card, which is a thing that is kind of difficult to find past Faithless Looting a lot of the time in yes, Modern. Absolutely. Um, it does cost three mana, but it can give you like pretty close to three mana worth of stats on the board. It's across three creatures. That's you know, if you're w- actively wanting to discard particular cards to it, you know, I was originally thinking Vengevines and Bridges, but obviously this isn't how we're doing Vengevines <laughs> and Bridges right now. Yeah. Um, but if there's cards you want to discard to it and put in your graveyard, then you're probably getting the tokens out of it. That's a lot of blockers that keeps you alive until your graveyard value stuff starts working. And um, also, even if they put a Rest in Peace or a Ley Line into play, a lot of times those games play out in such a way that they're like, I've got this, but I just, I don't have anything else. And if you just make three mana, four power worth of guys, that goes a long way towards like pushing the game into your direction. That's that's my favorite part of this card. I, I really like that this card is a graveyard enabler. Not a very good one, but it is a graveyard enabler. Mm-hmm. But it's really good post-board when your opponent has some sort of haymaker hate card in play. Yep. Uh, it just allows you to just have a game plan yeah. where your other cards are useless, so you can turn them into one ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All your bad cards, you can just be like, they are now elementals. They're, they're these one ones, and I'll draw a couple of cards, and hopefully I draw another Season Pyromancer off of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm into it, but maybe not right now. Let's see. My... Oh, I've got another Engineer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the other Engineer? I'm so excited. I, I don't even that. know what the other Engineer the is. The other Engineer is Plague Engineer. Oh! oh yeah. It's a 2v2-2 with Death Touch. Uh, that you can choose a creature type when it enters the battlefield, uh, and creatures your opponent control of the chosen creature type get minus one, minus one. Mm-hmm. So it is not global. It's only your opponent. Okay. Which makes it really cool for sideboards of tribal decks, and also just against tribal decks. Mm-hmm. It just kind of neuters their board presence. Like giving all humans minus one, minus one. Humans is pretty popular. <laughs> uh, that, that's really strong. Yeah. Uh I also think that it is good in places that people wouldn't necessarily realize it, too. Um, It's kind of the same thing as, you know, like, if Mardu Pyromancer were a thing, you would bring this in against Mardu Pyromancer. Yeah. You can can bring it in against Urzadex trying to rely on Thopter's Foundry. Just name Thopter. Yeah. All you you get is infinite life, not infinite (laughs) (laughs) Thopters. Well, if your Thopters die, you can't make mana with Urza. You can't. That's true. You just don't. You don't Wait, have infinite anymore. Are you not infinite? Oh yeah, you, you the, just the, the thopter dies before the sword can equip. Oh, okay. So it's not going to be an O two. It's just going to be a zero zero. Right, but you still get infinite life off of that combo, right? Uh, you need infinite Could... mana before you can get infinite life. But you, you can need... tap the sword for a mana. Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, so... does the sword come back though, or is it the does. sword the sword comes back regardless of whether creature lives or not? Oh, okay. Gotcha, oh wait, gotcha. but the. Is it creature with power one or less that makes it come back, or is it creature? Oh with power yeah, it one? won't even come back. Wow. It's a okay. Zero, zero. Yeah. So right. you can't, wow. We we worked th- we worked through. We got <laughs> like five wrong so interpretations. It's just very later. good it against is, the Thopter Foundry. Very, combo. So, but, but this is what I mean <laughs> yeah. is like yeah, it's just good where you want to expect. You will keep realizing different places where it's good. Yeah. And you know, like engineered plague comes in most often to keep your opponent from casting true name nemesis like yeah. <laughs> uh that's not the intended purpose I, I of the card th- i think in modern naming merfolk against like what if you play a plague engineer named merfolk you've done you're, something very you're gonna lose <laughs> like you're gonna die they're five fives by that point so but if you get two yeah <laughs> and yeah. that and that actually is pretty cool having two if you're playing a phantasmal image deck or whatever, sure, you can play plague carrier and then image it. And then if you're if you board it in plague carrier because or engineer plague engineer, is it a human? 
a plague engineer is a carrier. It is a carrier. Yeah, a really old creature type. Wow. Okay. It's like one of four creatures in that creature type. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So, so yeah, you're not exploiting it in any no, no, no. cavern deck or whatever. You're, but... you're trying to exploit the cavern decks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, and I, I think also, you know, like, Storm switches to a Goblin's Plan post board. Sure. And they empty the Warrens, and you're just like, okay, well, here's a Plague Engineer. <laughs> right. That's I've pretty s- good. I've seen people try to board Plague Engineer against Bridgevine named Zombie, just so their guys are all 1-1s. And that's honestly not effective enough. Yeah, yeah just that's, not, that's not going to cut it. No doubt or whatever. <laughs> but it is interesting that people are trying that. Sure. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to cut down the board to make it more manageable. Yeah. And that's something that might be good in a different matchup where you're not dead most of the time. Before it's kind of interesting it. in the like in the mirror. Like if the mirror battles come down to Cryptbreaker fights or something like that, then it actually is doing something there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, and there are... You know, there's the other zombies, which are one ones, the uh, Stitcher carry Supplier and Carrion Feeder. Yeah, you know, and Gravecrawler. And Gravecrawler. Grave okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now we're talking. So, it doesn't sound amazing, but maybe like if it's good anyways, then your board plan could be could involve if some. If it's in your sideboard, you might be inclined to board it in right. just because there's not much if it know. if it works together with your overall plan right. in the mirror post board where you're like both pretty gimped and it's really hard to bridge and <laughs> yeah you know you got to do something so right. you're trying to just make big carrion feeders it's gonna have it's right. gonna be hard to do that it's gonna be really hard to do it if you can't ever cast grave crawler because it has zero toughness so yeah. well grave crawler if you have a bridge in the yard under a plague you engineer make one it, just it just becomes <laughs> one to make a one one, one. you yeah. don't even need a sacrifice outlet <laughs> maybe this plan backfires <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, I, I do agree. Plague Engineer, better in weird places that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's neat. I, I definitely think it's a solid card, for sure. You know, And Humans continues to be a heavily played archetype, uh, from what I can tell. So, And it's going to be gonna be good there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another great card for that Abzan Aladomri's call deck. <laughs> yep, yep. Find a tutor, tutor for it with your call. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Great. Um, so next up on my list, I've got a card we touched on a little bit earlier, uh, Ranger Captain of Eos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm even more excited about it now after Lee enlightened me to the, uh, the unearth combos. The unearth lock. The unearth lock. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good lock. It it, was brutal. (laughs) That sounds crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that this card is really strong. I think that the kind of second ability of it, of sacrificing it so your opponent can't do anything is pretty underrated. I think that if you have it in like a combo e deck, that can be really powerful to like protect yourself. Or if you just like have it in a creature beatdown deck, it's really powerful against other decks that are either trying to wrath you or combo you out in any way. Yeah, I mean, my initial like analysis of this card, I, it is a human as well, yeah, so that's that's probably pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, but my initial read on this card was like, okay, cool, like you can turn off their important like sweeper turn. Yeah, and that's good. But after seeing it, like. If you iterate on this ability and you do it multiple turns in a row against a non-creature spell deck, it's so insane. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sometimes it's just time walk. You play your three mana card, mm-hmm. get your one one, your one drop. Yeah. Uh, sack it. Then if you play a second one or unearth it, it's it's kind of brutal. And and getting that one drop is the key to that yes. particular exchange. Mm-hmm. Is like you're not going down cards to do that. You're getting a one drop every turn, and if yeah. you're built. If you're a Death Shadow deck and you're getting like a real creature out of that one drop, or I guess a Sarah Ascendant or a Giver of Runes is, yeah. is also likely. Yeah. Both phenomenal. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely an interaction that I think we'll see 
more and more going forward as I, people figure out how to do it. I really like its body too. It's a three three. It's not a three two or two two. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, big. three mana three three. It's good for its stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Once you like lieutenant on it once, it's like a four four. Like it it carries plus one plus one counters better than yeah. a low toughness creature would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely really excited about that card. And honestly, probably the card that makes me want them to ban Hogak as soon as possible so that I can try <laughs> and get a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it, gets, it gets rid of their bridges uh, on turn three. Uh, you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> but if you, you actually don't have a library at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you're tutoring for nothing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's in your uh, There's no value. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh. um, so my number five, my number five was Magmatic Sinkhole. So okay. we can move on to Lee's number four well, my number four is aria flame Ooh, okay it's a 2r enchant uh, when it enters the battlefield i think each opponent or target opponent gains 10 life mm-hmm. love it uh and great start yeah <laughs> great great red card <laughs> uh, and then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell you put a verse counter on it some mm-hmm. sort of counter it's a song so a you song put a ver- counter no no you get a verse counter oh, because it is counter? a song this is a nice throwback because there's a whole cards, yeah. urza's like Every set in Urza's had a several of these enchantments that were songs that got first counters every turn yeah. or whatever. That's why I thought it was a first counter. But yeah, you yeah. get a first counter every time you cast an instant or sorcery spell. And then you can deal damage to a player or planeswalker yep. equal to the number of first counters on it. So the math here is that the first four spells you do, or first four instants of sorceries, add up to 10 damage, which offsets the, the life that gives you. Mm-hmm. The fifth spell does five damage, the sixth spell does six damage, and they're, they're like dead after four right. spells. and that's the thing. It's not quite like, all right, we're ramping up, and now we're turned on, and now we can start getting going. Like, you're going once you are, quote-unquote, turned on. Like, once you've hit that, like, you're lava-axing them, and then you're, like, searing-fleshing them. It's a <laughs> lot yeah. of damage. Um, this is actually my number one card. Um, wow. I mean, m- mostly because I play a lot of Phoenix, and this card is clearly a place where phoenix wants to be looking it does not use the graveyard it doesn't die to path to exile it hits planeswalkers so if narset's in play and your hand is like you know sleight of hand and an opt then you're you just like sleight of hand and you shoot it and then you pass the turn and you opt and like narset is like not really a problem anymore so nice it works really well with finale of promise past and flames that sort of thing yeah because yeah. you get you get so many spell casts lava dart too lava dart is Ooh. excellent with it we talked about this before. One of the things you can do if it's late in the game, they're kind of low on life, and you have a little extra mana, you can respond to the trigger by casting a couple of spells so that they don't even get that 10 life and you just use it as a burn spell. Yeah, um, the good old Aria Flame, Sacrifice My Mountain, Lava yeah. Dart You, Bolt You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, extra, like, five damage there. Yeah, it's that's really good. Not bad. So there's a lot of stuff here. And I do think just a lot of different blue-red decks are going to be pretty into this card. If nothing else is a sideboard plan that just dodges most of the hate people are are hitting you with, especially if you're graveyard-based. So, I, I've seen it in main decks of Phoenix. It's I don't think that's wrong. I, I think it's suicide to play Pyromancer's Ascension right now because everybody is graveyard. bringing all the graveyard hate. Yeah. So this is a great substitute for it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, anybody who's locking you out with prison stuff. Like, they're just eventually going to die to this unless they have Witchbane Orb. Even if you can only cast, like, one or two spells a turn, it, it, you get there. It ramps up so quickly once you hit, like, the fourth verse. Yeah. And then they're going to, like, try to kill you with a Chandra or something, and you cast an Opt to kill the Chandra. Yeah. It, it <laughs> feels it, good. It feels really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm pumped for this card. I'm really excited to try it out. I think it's, like, also, I think it's, like, a dollar 
and twenty cents or something right it's, now. It's forty cents. I bought them yesterday. It's it's, liter- it's forty cents. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to pick up a bunch. This card is very playable and very like transformational to what a bunch of these cantrip decks are capable of doing. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, it's just another really powerful payoff and easier to turn on than. Yeah, and you can even not run all four ups and still run this card. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Me too. So my number four is Force of Negation. It kind of a a, a, you know an obvious include, I guess, but this is a really powerful card. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to see a lot of play in a lot of formats. It's giving modern access to the free counter spell that you know people have been talking about wanting for a while now so it's the hero we need i don't know if we deserve it well (laughs) yeah fair enough but you know and this is another one of the cards that (laughs) makes me want them to ban hogak pretty soon because hogak is doing so many restrictive things in the format right now Mm -hmm. that force of negation is just so clearly a very very powerful card that could have a really big impact in modern but it just feels like it can't right now yeah. because of the restrictions that Hogak is placing in the format. Right. Um, and specifically the fact that Hogak is a combo deck that never has to resolve a non-creature spell. Right. Yeah. You know, Hogak, the, you know, the if you get your altar forced, then, you know, that's kind of a bummer, but they're still likely dead to your 8-8s or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a bummer. But, you know, I really do like what this card is doing, you know, for a lot of the fair strategies. I think that it works really well in the tempo strategies of, like, the cantrip decks and stuff. Yep. You know, and, and you can tap out against Tron. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal against Tron. It hits so many of their payoffs. So, you know, talk about a huge mana swing if you get to counter their eight mana Ugin or whatever. Oh. <laughs> with your Four mana spell. Ugin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like this card a lot because it's... It's got like the force of will deck building restriction. Mm-hmm. The blue, you need the blue cards. Yeah. But it's also super castable. It's just like a cancel. Yeah, it's just right, three right. mana cancel. Once you get a few, you know, you stretch the game out a little bit because right. you're like you're willing to trade resources in this deck. And so maybe you stretch the game out and then you just three mana. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just allows, I think blue eye control is likely going to spend three mana on this more often than not. Yeah. Um, but just the ability to be able to like tap out for something and play also Jace. do this. Yeah, play Jace and then have your forces, you know. Right, that's a classic legacy it, right. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what makes Jace so much better in legacy than in modern. Yeah. Is because you can pass with force up and Jace in play and say, like, you need two good things here or else I'm gonna run away with it. Yeah. Because um, if you untap with Jace. Right. Yeah. And I think modern is perfectly capable of handling decks that are trying to do that because there's lots of ways to attack Jace that don't involve like resolving a removal spell for, you know, there's lots of creatures in play in modern. There's lots of, you can get a spell forced and still get back a Phoenix to attack Jace with that turn. Like, you know, I I think we're, we're pretty safe against Jace heavy strategies for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. One of the the cool things that uh, I don't know if people appreciate is when you, now that you're able to tap out on turn four for Jace and get a force back up, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes your opponent just won't have anything. And whereas before you just might not have played the Jace. Right, right. Yeah. And you just yeah. couldn't take that risk. Yeah. But now you like you you're, can you're just... not taking the risk because you have the force. But you're getting the benefit of just jamming it where your opponent right. was dead to it. And then you have the force in your hand yeah, with an active you, Jace. You can never And lose. then you steamroll the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which which is huge and not something that's like immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. That is and I think that that is a good way of having that be a play pattern you can take in the format because, like, okay, I set myself up so that even if they have it, like, I have the answer. The The way of, like, I have Getaxian Probe and I see that your hand is garbage yeah. and so now I'll play my Jace, 
that was the worst way of being able to just jam chase. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man. Good so I, probe. I much prefer this. Yeah. Um, am I next? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So my next one is Lava Dart. So yeah. One red instant one damage to anything. Flashback. Sacrifice a mountain. Uh, super clean. Like looks pretty low power on its surface, but just adds a lot. Any like noble hierarch kind of deck, you are now threatening to just like shoot a shoot multiple guys. Like, yeah, you're down a land when you do it, but ultimately a lot of the decks that are playing this are totally fine with going down from three to two or from four to three lands in play in order to just kill a guy for no mana. Uh, is great with Aria Flame, is great in Phoenix. Yeah, generating a spellcast trigger mm-hmm. with this card is like the Very bulk strong. of the value. Yeah. yeah. Other than, you know, just being a gut shot that is flashbackable. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right, and, and, and it's so much better than Gutshot in the non-Gutshot matchups because it's two spell triggers. That mm. That's just like a really exciting thing to be able to put into your deck. So, Yeah, when you draw uh, Gutshot against like Blue-Eye Control or Tron, you're, you, know, you don't feel pretty good. Right, but this don't almost gets back your Phoenixes on its own. Yeah, if you can put two verse counters on Aria of Flame against Blue-Eye Control, that's pretty good. That is actually pretty good, so I'm... I think this card will... I don't know exactly how the format plays out, whether you still need, like, access to gut shots because you specifically want some number of free spells in your deck. I think largely, though, I do want this in my deck over gut shots, at least in a vacuum. Um, We'll see what exactly I'm trying to kill, but... I mean, I think it also does a lot for mono-red prowess-style strategies. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they they want... Yeah, they want those cheap spells that deal damage, and Mm -hmm. it's free. You can get extra damage out of prowess. Yep. Yep. It's pretty nice. It's also free when you discard it to Faithless Suiting and then get a spell trigger off of it. Yeah, for your yeah, yeah. that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, I mean, that deck needs at least like two or three more copies of Faithless Looting <laughs> to really be a deck that I want to play. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah. Or season Pyromancer. Yeah, yeah. Oof, that might not quite be the deck for Season Pyromancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't think so either. <laughs> I think the the biggest thing that that deck needs is another one single red prowess creature. Blister um, coil weird, man. Yeah. Blister coil weird. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can exile some some lava darts. No, 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 no. No, that's uh, that's an Magus elemental. Blister oh. coil weird is a blue red hybrid. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery, it gets plus one plus one. Oh really? Yeah, it's got like fake prowess basically. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But it's only got one toughness and doesn't have the, you know, it, like Soulscar Mage's ability becomes actually really like sometimes you bolt a thing and you care about that yeah Yeah. selfless spirit in particular and the haste on swift spirit like those two things are pretty relevant and this doesn't have either of those and it also only has one toughness Ooh, but you can untap it you do get oh, to untap <laughs> I did not realize that. That's uh, uh, all right. Don't know how that's relevant yet, but let us know. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll do some testing. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah. Cool. The deck needs more Faithless Looting. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think My you turn are, for number uh, three? Yes. My number three is Arkham's Astrolabe, Ooh, uh, okay. which is a snow mana artifact. Costs a snow mana. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card, and it's... You can pay a mana to filter a mana to mana of any color. So it's a prophetic prism that instead of costing two, costs a snow mana. And that becomes a very good card. Like, yes. Yes. if it did not have the snow restriction, I can't imagine how many decks this would pop up I in. Don't, I think it's way too strong yeah. if it did not have the snow mana restriction. Right, right. I, I think so too. But it's just like kind of crazy. Because like modern is not a format where you really think about like these kinds of utility. But like if prismat... It, if Prophetic Prism costs one mana, it actually would just be a very modern 
playable card. So think of it like this. Not Prophetic Prism, but Mm -hmm. Chromatic Star, which is a card you'll play all the time. Mm -hmm. And you draw a card only after you use it, and you get the filtering once. Right. Uh, Astrolabe, if you can cast it, so not Tron, sorry. (laughs) You you just get the card right away, and filtering works for the rest of the game. Yeah. Plus it adds a snow permanent to your battlefield, Mm -hmm. which may or may not be relevant, depending on how people build decks. Yeah. Uh, I... I don't know yet. Like I've seen Dead of Winter in sideboards is something I'm kind of into because yeah. it's a kind of a toxic deluge kind of effect. It's like a cheap wrath. Yeah, I mean, I think that card is playable. It did not make my list, but I think that between yeah, it's not on my list either, between but. Snowlands and Astrolab, like you're that's close to enough numbers to to make that a decent card. So Astrolab covers the weakness of building snow decks, to mm-hmm. me, which is that you usually have to play weird mana bases with a lot of basics them uh which means your mana is usually bad but with astrolabe it, it fixes a lot of your mana problems you just need one and then yeah. you can cast anything yep pretty much and it's pretty low opportunity cost it's one mana cycler and the other benefit that the snow decks get is that we have a new basics fetch which is Vista, yeah. you know and the fact that it comes into play untapped is huge yeah definitely so i think that's i do think that the mana helpful. base can exist for a snow deck um i just don't know you know, we'll have to see if there are enough payoffs for. I, I don't think the stuff. payoffs for snow is there, but mm-hmm. I have actually kind of high on my deck because uh, all the artifact decks I see now just yeah. play four of them because the, their mana restrictions were slight, if any, before. Right. Yeah. If you wanted to play where, you had to play a bunch of blue sources. Yeah. So you usually played islands. <laughs> play a bunch of snow covered islands. <laughs> now you're just now. <laughs> playing snow islands, yeah, and it's great. Yeah. Your your mana is great because you're never missing on war. Yeah. And it's an artifact, it triggers side, triggers you can tap it for mana with Urza. And it also <laughs> is part of the way to get value like having it in your deck makes it easier to just incidentally get value with Goblin Engineer yeah. because it's really good to cycle in and out. Yeah, I think it's way better in artifact decks than it will be for the snow kind of things. You Probably. Can do it. Right. Because artifact decks absolutely are adore. Powerful. They're powerful, and they love getting one mana cantrip artifacts. That's yeah. just Turning really on good. Mox Opal, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, Mox Opal mana into a snow mana of any color. <laughs> yeah. Don't know how that's relevant, but I'm into it. <laughs> and cast your other Astrolabe with Ooh, it. There you go. I have tapped an Astrolabe. I, I've tapped a thing with mana for Urza, mm-hmm. filtered into an Astrolabe to cast another one. Yeah, there you go. It's, yeah. it's pretty cute. That's awesome, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I always get a little excited when I see the card Astrolabe, and I've been conditioned to do that. Oh, because it's so good in draft. Well, yeah, it's it was our beacon card for snow. Where if you see one on the wheel, then you know snow's open because you know people are going to take it. They wouldn't taken it, but yeah. So whenever we were drafting, if we saw one come on the wheel, we would just jam the snow deck, and it's the best archetype. So yeah. we were always super excited to see that card for sure. Yeah. All right, are we on to number three? Yes. So my number three is actually El Domri's Call. So okay. We, we've already talked about that one, so I'll, I'll pass it over to Chris. Well, my number three is actually Unearthed, so we've already done that. Oh, yeah. So well, really, okay. I'm just hitting all the notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I pick all the good cards and put them yeah. really low on my list. We've this already talked about my number two as well. So. <laughs> well, I'm going to, yeah, we've talked about the rest of my list, so I'm going to, like, emergency okay. pick a couple. Oh, I sure. see. All right, my number two is Urza, High Lord Artificer. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Lord High Artificer. Oh, is it Lord High? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the High Lord Artificer stays at home and, like... <laughs> Oh, okay. He's yeah, he's, he's up to someone else. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is early. He's a 2UU1-4. Uh, when he ETBs, he makes a construct that gets plus one plus one for each artifact. It's a zero zero, like the kind Karn makes. Yeah. Which you uh, can use our tokens to represent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we constructs. right there. <laughs> 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 I didn't think that we'd see another card you could use our tokens for, so that's really nice, actually. Yeah, no, it's pretty sweet. And then 
Oh, he's got a lot of abilities. You can you can tap an untapped artifact to make a blue mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you can pay five mana and then shuffle your library, exile the top card, and then until end of turn, you can cast that card without paying its mana cost. Right. It's a mind's desire. It's one mind's it's desire temporal storm. temporal aperture, mind's desire kind of card. Yeah. I think mind's desire is the card people are more familiar with that has that identical text. Yes. But I understand that it's that's the Urza card is temporal aperture, but... But yeah, yeah. So makes mana, mana sink. Makes an artifact, gets mana from your artifacts. Like the guy is bigger, the yeah. more artifacts you have. Like he's just a really good payoff for his artifact deck that doesn't uh, get shut off by Stony Silence he, or he, artifact he gets removal. Around all the traditional artifact, like collect roof, artifact removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best part is if you if your board's decimated by Kataki or Ancient Grudge or whatever. Uh, and he's not doing that much, mm-hmm. and you're somehow still alive, maybe because you have a bridge in play. <laughs> maybe. Who, yeah. who can say why you're still alive, <laughs> yeah. though? Right. Yeah, yeah maybe. You know, yeah, so. no, this 1-4 and, you know, <laughs> Construct is really holding down the fort. Uh, you can just pay five mana and just draw, like, kind of draw and cast a card. Yeah. Which is really cool, and not to mention the number of infinites you can do with him. There's a couple that... I mean, just it, on, as a basic country. level, you just make Thopter Sword infinite life, infinite yeah. tokens, and then cast your deck because you have infinite mana. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. It does all of it. Yeah. I've seen people play a grinding station and an Urza Thopter Sword deck just so you can just mill them out that turn. You don't have to wait for you know, to kill them with infinite Thopters in life if that's not good enough. Right. I mean, you only need one thing to do it with. Yes. Like, because your opponent could be on... If they're on Devoted Druid combo... You could be dead. Or Hogak. Well, I guess you can't be dead, because you could Ballista, just... Com- right? But you can just... Oh, infinite life. Combo... Well, no, because I guess they kill the Urza if you don't have any way to stop it, yeah. so... Kill the Urza, kill you. Yeah. So, so I mean, it is relevant to have a way to kill them before or, they combo Or off. against Hogak, they could mill you out. Yes. I mean, that's true. If you don't that's have definitely true. in play, you're going to lose. Right, right. So having a way to win the game instantly on the spot is pretty cool. Probably yeah. pretty important in the yeah. format as it exists right now. <laughs> yes. And you only, you just need one because yeah. you get your old deck. So. And if it's an artifact, it powers up Urza, it makes mana. Right. So, yeah. I mean, definitely not sure what exactly the 75 that this yeah, card fits really, into is. Being a four mana card in modern is rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it does a lot of powerful things. And there's a lot of powerful artifacts in modern. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and it's it it's got that sigh thing going on where like it's a it's a non artifact spell that makes your artifacts good no matter what your opponent is doing to stop your artifacts from being good. Sigh and Urza are also BFFs. Yes, they're they're horn turtle brothers. Sigh <laughs> <laughs> uh, makes thopters. Urza taps the thopters for mana. You oh. cast more artifacts. It's a good it's, time. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Cast artifacts on the top of your library to make more thopters to make more mana. Yeah. You don't I even think, need, like, a combo. That's just so much value. Right. It's just, like, if your opponent is not killing you, like, you just get stuff. Yeah. yeah. And even if they are killing you, you're making Thopters. You're making Thopters. True. Hopefully they don't have a Plague Engineer. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another surprising place where a Plague Engineer is good. Yeah. I mean, we already said Thopter Sword, but also beats the Psy stuff. stuff. Yeah. But, like, legitimately, if you're playing against this sort of artifact deck, you bring in your Plague Engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Is the rest of your list dead, Collins? My number one is still hanging in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my fake number two is uh, Cycling Lands. Okay. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, I didn't, they didn't actually, like, really make my list, but that's also because <laughs> I put this list together kind of quickly. And I do think Cycling Lands probably should have been somewhere in my eight. I don't think that they're overwhelmingly powerful. And we do already have access to other Cycling Lands in the format anyways. 
These are definitely the best of them, since they cycle for one mana, and that's really good, potentially. This isn't a thing that Modern is really about. You know, it's asking you to, like, do weird Life from the Loam stuff, run Ren and Six as a value engine, but having lands that let you trade them for a card at one mana enable these engines to operate at a much higher level of efficiency. And, you know, you can find them by putting them into your graveyard initially by dredging life from the loam. You know, this is a thing that a very, like, a perennial legacy deck is based on doing. Not that it's super heavy on cycling lands, but we've had extended decks that are based on, like, aggro loam type strategies. And I don't know if we'll ever see this actually happen, but it is encouraging a play style and a deck construction philosophy that like modern hasn't been super friendly to but some combination of life from the loam red and six cycling lands utility lands ways to turn that value into something and maybe it's with like ayula's influence the green seismic assault or something like that there could be something here that operates on an axis that we just haven't seen in a modern deck ever in modern and that would be nice i would really appreciate it if that were a thing that could happen I think that mostly that is a pipe dream. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> Unfortunately, right. Yeah. Um, I see cycling lands mostly as you're building a deck and you're like, I really want to play a, an extra land, but I don't want it to be a thing. And you're like, oh, what about a cycling land? And you're like, ah, maybe you've got a life of a loam. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that the horizon lands exist too. Yep. So you're more likely to just play one of those. Because the thing you said about turning an extra mana mm-hmm. from a land into a card is, is really true. That's really important. Mm-hmm. But I think the canopy lands, the horizon lands, just they just do, do a better job of it. Yeah. Because they also function as mana sources. Right. And you need to... Right. And they come into play untapped, which right. is yeah. really good. That's why they're my fake number one on my list. So. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, mean, I they, stole that one, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fake cards and real cards. <laughs> they are mostly a better version of the cycling lands. And I think like they are a big part of also enabling something like that, like Ren and Six strategy to exist, is if you've also got some... Uh, horizon lands in there you know you turn when you're done with them you just turn your lands into cards and get keep your engine going and that's that's insanely powerful but also just the horizon lands in general are just going to be very good obviously yeah i mean horizon canopy is like the fifth most played card in modern it's only two colors and yeah it's green and white they're not even good colors right <laughs> <laughs> yep yep are we doing my number one? Yeah, all right, let's all right. do it. My number one is not Collins's, I bet. <laughs> all right. Because it's not Hogan. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Altar of Dementia. Sure. Oh, all right. So it's, yep. it's Hogak adjacent. There we go. Well, I, I was going to talk about it as well in my number one, but yeah. Because I, I think Altar of Dementia is the most powerful thing in this Hogak deck. It's the real problem. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. Because it's, it's an engine that allows you to convert one resource into another with no mana gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't fathom why they put this card on the side it's cards like this are always like red flags uh when i see them and mm-hmm. they, they've all been like kci yep they're phyrexian altar they're all been just degenerate decks based around yeah. them well you can't do anything else the only thing that this card can function for is doing degenerate things yeah right. you're not gonna like value engineer combo right, right? Yeah. when i when i saw this card was reprinted uh i saw was liam kahalan made a vesper lark deck that used Alter, Citrus Supplier. Basically the cards you're familiar with in Hogak. Mm-hmm. But the kill was with Vesper Lark, Body Double, and Alter. Right. Oh, so yeah. you just milled them out real quick. And that, that deck looked really good. Yeah. 
But then the Hogak deck came out, and it's just like, oh, this is that deck, but faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and more resilient. More consistent, and, more resilient, yeah. everything. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Hogak and this card are just like a one-card combo, you know, with bridges in your yard, you just, that's just pretty much infinite mill right. in and of itself. And you're just putting the stuff into your yard. You don't right. need any of this stuff in your hand. Like... We've we've had so many games where like they ley lined us and stuff. We like fight with cards a little bit. We draw our ley line removal spell. We kill the ley line and then they're dead. and then they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Alter just kills them from yeah. there. Alter being able to enable your combo, keep it going, and then kill your opponent all in one card. It makes like ravenous trap completely worthless against the deck. They get like four cards including like one right. graveyard relevant card and then you're yeah. just like okay i'll start again yeah. yeah yeah between all of our hogak testing um i've seen us you know kill people through like double ravenous trap on a turn you know like multiple relics uh just like none of the like one shots matter even a little bit yeah like, and this is all stuff that would have beaten dredge as long as you right. combine it with doing actively what your deck is supposed to yeah. do it, right. it just doesn't matter. One of my, one of my favorite games I won against uh, Tron was my opponent went turn one relic, turn two relic. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you've only got one mana open to relic. Aha, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I only need to go off twice this turn, yeah. and that's easy. Um, yeah. No, yeah, Altar of Dementia is really crazy. And I'm I, predicting that that card will be the card that gets banned out of this deck, and I think that it will be banned quickly. within two months. Yeah, that something needs to go from this. It's yeah. too crazy. It's just crazy how these cards work together. My for some reason in my head before it was before I was like actually reading Alter Dimension when it got spoiled, in my head it was like sacrifice a creature, you mill two. That's what I thought it was. Nope. And then I read it, I was like, Oh, power. Well that's usually two, right? And then Hogak just has eight power. <laughs> <laughs> and is the free thing that you get to cast repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. If it were power and you were just like, Well, cool, I get four cards off of Vengevine sometimes. Like Cool, yeah. but you just happen to mill, yeah. like, you know, a seventh of your deck. Not even yeah. Golgari Grave Troll. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. It's, yeah. it's yeah. the biggest dredge And that card's been banned. And you get to keep, t- you get to do it more than once in a turn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're doing it, if you're doing that once, then you could just get to do all of it. Right. The, when you, when you sacrifice a Hogak. Both you and your opponent's deck is going to yeah. be milled that turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're milling. I, I heard a story. I cannot remember who it was. It was in some Discord. They... They said, all right, I can retire from Hogak. I have managed to mill Battle of Wits on turn three. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> what has modern become? <laughs> we can Ugh. just mill 300-card decks on turn three. You just can. <laughs> that's, that's why. It's not even it's that not, hard. <laughs> it's not infinite, but it's just so large that yeah. you... Yeah. You get so many zombies in play, and then you just get them. I mean, if you just have all four of your bridges, mm-hmm. um, so you get, you know, four zombies to convoke, then it's just, you know, eight to four, and, yep. you know, you've milled your whole deck, so you get them, yeah. No, I mean, Hogak is a problem. You know, we were sitting here talking about, like, Pittsburgh plans and stuff, mm-hmm. and Collins and I are planning on teaming together in Pittsburgh, and we are pretty sure we have access to at least like one and a half Hogak decks and we really need to put together three for this tournament is yeah. the plan right now. SCG Hogak. It, yeah. it will be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It will be. Honestly, so the, get ready. <laughs> yeah. Besides what it's doing to the metagame and just like pushing a bunch of like cool decks and cool cards from Modern Horizons out, which is really bad on its own, the Hogak mirror is just atrocious. It is uh, it is not fun to yeah. play. Yeah. It's just garbage. Well, because post board, it's just 
two on beatdowns. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you're both going to have ley lines and then you're... <laughs> or, like, a way to get rid of your opponent's ley lines and you're using all your resources to do that. Yeah. Um, and then... And I think the key to this weekend is... Or, you know, this... In a week and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think a key to that is figuring out exactly what the proper board plan is. Right. If you if you are coming to the mirror and feeling like I'm winning the mirror 60-something percent of the time because my board plan is just better than everybody else's, yeah. that's where you want to be. And I don't – and, you know, when we were playing it, what I really wanted was a Trump card that just shows up on the battlefield and it beats all two ones. Yeah. And and those exist. Yeah. I mean, you know, Crip Breaker is a huge one. Crip Breaker is good. I think probably, like, Rabble Master doesn't really work because, like, if they get a zombie token into play, it just doesn't happen anymore, right. it, whether that's through Bridge or through their own Crypt Breaker. Like, Crypt Breaker is good, but if your opponent is just also on it, then that's not good enough. The I traditional like, answer here is, like, Planeswalkers, but Planeswalkers aren't good in these creature matchups. I like uh, the challenge had Wisp Mares in their sideboard, which mm-hmm. is a 1-3 flyer that kills an enchantment when ATVs. And also just blocks your whole board. It for a 1, so if you if they don't have the ley line for some reason, you can't win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can, uh, you can just play Wisp Mare and block all their dudes. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's that's what we've been doing yeah. <laughs> all week. <laughs> yeah, no, our... It's a 1-3. It's great. Yeah. Our, it our opponent... Like, I was, I was birding Dylan while he was playing. Our opponent played a Wisp Mare to block... We luckily had the Dark Blast to use as a giant growth to kill the Whisper in combat. Yeah, it was great. Next level play. This is, but honestly, like, this is why the mirror just is awful. You're just, like, aiming, like, way below limited power level cards at each other and hoping that you have more of them. And they can't block. It's like you yeah. don't even get to do real creature yeah. combat. It's you don't it's get to do bad. attacks and blocks. You're just like all in oh, on racing. You have a carrying feeder and a blood gas. I guess I'm attacking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And because it's so hard, you know, like the board plan that we've been looking at involves taking out all of your altars and bridges because it's like really hard to do that stuff in the mirror. Like you Plus don't keep board, yeah. bridges in your graveyard when they have sacrifice outlets in play. Yeah. And it's just really hard to do those things. You're just like really hoping that you get Hogak in play before they get a Hogak in play, and that's about the whole point of the game right and it's not fun and that's modern right now it's not not in a great place no yeah it yeah that needs to go um you know it, it's just so reminiscent of eldrazi winner where it's so obvious everybody knows it it's gonna be six out of eight of the top eights it, it keeps crushing all the online yeah stuff yeah um people aren't playing it as much in leagues as yeah because everybody's off expect. it yeah everybody, everybody just hates, hates it. it right and i think that's entirely it and like you know, I'll go down and, like, you guys are jamming it and just beating up on people who aren't playing it. It's free tickets. I, yeah. Well, I played my one league with the Urza deck. I played against five decks that, in my opinion, just could not beat Hogak. And yeah. I was also playing a deck that couldn't beat Hogak. Right. right. Yeah. I'm like, what are we all doing here? Because we're in that merged, you know, we don't have comp and friendly leagues anymore. We just have modern leagues. Mm-hmm. And so I think you show up at certain times and you're in, like, the gentleman's agreement zone where everybody's <laughs> like, please, I'm not going to play Hogak. Please don't anybody else play Hogak. Let's just play, like, pretend modern so I can right. play these cool new cards. And I get that. Yeah. But, I yeah I I definitely so yesterday I had a moment where my opponent gave me the traditional you know good luck have fun and I said good luck and then I played a turn one supplier and they were like NVM <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, okay I mean harsh but fair <laughs> yeah, honest I was like yeah you, I mean you're right <laughs> yeah it's, I don't it's a bad place I don't want this yeah. I feel like what I I asked for 
Modern Horizons to give me like a non-dredge graveyard deck that's like playable in Modern, and I feel like I just monkey's pawed that up yeah. really badly. So, <laughs> whoops, yeah, it's gonna redo on that one, Chris. <laughs> I, like, I wanted a a graveyard deck that you're like, oh yeah, season pyromancer. This really works in the deck. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what yeah. I want to yeah, be yeah. playing. And, and that's what I want to be, like, a respectable choice. Not- and But honestly, I think that if they just get rid of Alter, then mm-hmm. this Bridgevine deck still exists and is very good. But the fact that it has a two-mana win-the-game card in it... Yeah. That is also an enabler. That is also... Yeah, exactly. That's also an enabler. Right. Because I think the rest of the deck is just a fine, modern, playable, yeah. like, right. high-tier engine. We just made Vengevine, like, a little more consistent right. and a little higher ceiling. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. The, and I was talking about this earlier. I was like, all like all this Bridgevine deck that was playing like the the um, zero mana like mm-hmm. walking blisters and stuff. I was like, all this deck really needs to get going is like another good one drop zombie. Mm-hmm. And they gave us that in Carrion Feeder. And you know, Carrion Feeder was it's perfect, for, perfect for this deck. Yeah. It's a sack outlet. You know, gets your Stitcher uh, Supplier in the graveyard. Right. Yeah. Um, is a zombie, so you can cast your grave crawlers. They just gave us too many um, things all at once. Yeah, yeah but they gave us that. And Hogak, which is... And Hogak is crazy. Hogak's yeah. my number one on this list. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we can just continue this conversation. But <laughs> Hogak is nuts. And Hogak is way easier to cast than anybody, I think, expected. Yes. Well, and they really did give us the three best cards in the deck as it stands right now. Like, mm-hmm. Alter, Carrion Feeder, and Hogak. Carrion Feeder maybe not quite up with the other two, but, but those really are good. probably the three best cards in the deck right now. So, yeah. well, you In your conversation earlier, you, were, you just wanted, like, a, a sack outlet. Uh, yeah. When I was on this deck the first time, like last summer i think uh, i'm like i just need another enabler i need like putrid just a one drop yeah, i just want to yeah. put things in the graveyard <laughs> right 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like oh wow <laughs> this is crazy carry feeder and alter <laughs> yeah it's it's a problem ideally it's a problem that gets solved pretty soon mm-hmm. because modern horizons is cool and a lot of these cards are we talked about a lot of three mana cards that we would like to play in modern yeah and when the games are over on turn you three just don't a have lot. library anymore on game three if your opponent draws an altar yeah they're either going to have the really like they're just all of the draws that are decent are just completely busted out of the stack you're mm-hmm. either finch finding your opponent really fast or you are I have a lot of zombies. Uh, or you have an 8 8 and a bunch of other dudes yeah like it the 8 8 is never alone you have yeah. to have two other creatures to bring it out and it happens on turn two very consistently so that's like 13 power on turn two or you just win on game on turn yeah, three. Or you just yeah. they're dead. Or just, you have no yeah. library. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not like the deck is unbeatable or anything. Like certainly people have showed up a lot with four ley lines in the board. Lines and stuff. Exists, yeah. And like you can lose matches with the deck. But overall, if the correct number of people show up to to, to SCG Pittsburgh with Hogak in Hogak teams or whatever. It's going to be miserable. It's going to rise to the top because it just does this so consistently. It wins game ones so easily. And then you just don't always get hated right out of the game post-board. And just... Yeah, and your opponent has to have it. Um, and then the other kind of crazy thing about it is that, say your opponent like has to mulligan to ley line, and they mulligan to like five or mm-hmm. four or whatever to find it, then you just have two on beatdowns. Yep. And... With carrying feet. Yeah, with carrying feeder. Yeah. So um, the, the removal spells just make your carrying yeah. feeder. So that's like a turn five kill. Right. And if they're on nothing, then they're going to be dead. And if they've kind of stopped you from doing stuff, once you do kill the ley line and you just like carry and feeder grave crawler your way to, to a win, like you you get a really big carry and feeder really fast. Yeah. Then. I've, right. I've had the following conversation about modern uh, several times now where it's, uh, hey Lee, uh, can I play non-Hogak deck? But. I'm going to play a bunch of Rest in Pieces main deck or Leyline's main deck. And I'm like, sure. 
<laughs> but you're going to play against not yeah. Hogak sometimes. Sometimes you're not going to... And even if you do play against Hogak... You're not always going to have the rest in peace. Exactly. Like, this isn't just... It just isn't a solution to the format. Yeah. Like, you play Spirits with rest in pieces main, and then you just play against, like, humans... And then all of a but sudden, also rest in pieces, man. Well, but, but you're most... just playing rest in pieces against each other. Okay, so that's a bad format. <laughs> but also, if you as an individual choose to play like spirits with rest in peace main, and then you play against humans, and they're not doing that nonsense, all of a sudden, like you're supposed to have a pretty reasonable humans matchup as spirits, but now you draw a rest in peace in your hand. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'm dead. Yeah, because you needed an extra card. Yeah. yeah, pretty lame. Retweet if you think Hogak should be banned. <laughs> Or like if you think Logak should be banned. Yeah, right, yeah like if you think Like for Hogak, retweet for Alter. <laughs> right, yeah. There's um, no option to not something be banned. Yeah. That's just not on the table. Yeah, I mean, I really I mean, wish it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. And, you know, if they do ban Alter, then great. And I think that that deck can still exist in some form. But you just have a good Vengefine deck now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we got plenty of pieces for it. It's fine. Yep. But too many. Too many pieces. Too many at once. All right, yeah. It's just everywhere. Yeah. One straight through Gravedigger's Cages. You just like... Gravedigger's Cage does close to nothing. I, yeah. I mean, you know... It, you just make creatures. You just, like, you know, it doesn't affect bridge. So you just make dudes and kill you, them. You just you cast your Hogak from your hand. Yeah, you're just winning with Carrion Feeder and Bridge from Below. At yeah. That point. Yeah. Which is, like, a fine deck. Yeah. So. Right. You just got to make sure you don't try to cast your grave crawlers in the graveyard because that'll give you warnings. Yes, it will. <laughs> I had one match very early in playing Phoenix with a Snapcaster Mage in it, and my opponent played a Grafdigger's Cage, and then during my turn I played a Snapcaster Mage and targeted a spell, and I just saw my opponent's eyes flick over to his Grafdigger's Cage, and I was like, "Oh yeah, go." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mostly know what Grafter is now. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. So let's look forward to post-ban modern. Yes. It's vaguely possible that a format the format adapts. I don't think it can really happen here though, just given how the deck works. The the thing about format adapting is that people adapt to the adaptations as well. Mm-hmm. And the Hogak shell is so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. Right. The barrier to entry to beat it is very high. It is. And then that deck will also conform to people trying to beat it. Yeah. And then we just end up in a really unhealthy format where like everybody's running seven hate cards against graveyard decks and like Tron will win a tournament when it just like dodges the forty percent of the field that's Hogax and it just beats everybody who's running all these garbage cards in their deck. Like it's not a good place to be. Yeah. So yeah, and it's kind of sad that there's this deck now that's just clearly better than everything else. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, doesn't always have to be such a huge problem. And this happens a lot more in Standard than anything else where, like, you know, somebody comes out with a, a deck, it's clearly better than everything else, but all it does is just raise the bar and everybody just has to build better decks. Mm-hmm. And that can often be, you know, sometimes really cool and fun to see happen. It's just like, wow, you know, this deck just completely raised the bar of deck building and everybody had to really... You know, in this like tumultuous time of everybody's figuring out the Jeska Planeswalker deck, Zan right? Right. With was exactly. a great example. Yeah, it, that was a perfect example. And I was going to bring that up is like Zan, you know, created the Jeska Walker's deck, and then uh, all the Esper decks got super, super well tuned, um, and that was really awesome to see. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the deck that is raising the bar is a broken graveyard strategy, it's not raising the bar on other people's deck building. It's just 
forcing everybody to overload on graveyard hate because that's the best way to beat this deck. This is also a brand new deck, so it's right. not like okay, cool, we like really crafted this and tuned it. Right. Like like I mean, it's pretty set. Like no, fifty eight cards in the main deck are kind of set. Wizards came from the heavens and said, "You must play Ultra of Dimension right. yeah, yeah. and, and Carrion Feeder. Go, my children." <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> It's not like it's beating up on, like, well, I brewed up these cool decks for a new standard. It's beating up on modern decks that, like, people have been iterating on for years at this point. Right. And they're just not good enough. Yeah. Classic. I'm playing as humans. Don't feel like I can lose. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the one deck that I've seen that has, like, has had the bar raised on, and, you know, I think that that, like, theory applies, is the Devoted Druid decks. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, Edgar Magayesh has, like, definitely been... Uh, tuning that deck a lot he's been streaming a lot lately mm-hmm. you should definitely check it out he's really good yeah he you know I, I was watching his stream and his i think is the reason he's playing that archetype is because it can compete with hogak because it's just a turn three potential combo but you know even like watching him play against that matchup and like hearing him talk about it he's like yeah it's pretty important to win the die roll here <laughs> because this matchup's really close and like he's playing like a really consistent turn three combo deck and hearing him say that it's like kind of close Yep. 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 And I, I wonder if that deck is going to stick around in a post-Hogak world, because once I'm allowed to play Phoenix again, like... You're going to be Lava Darting. L- yeah, the Lava Dart Lightning Bolt deck is, like, pretty good against the Mana Dork Vizier combo deck. Right. Um, yeah. And the way it's constructed, like, it has a lot of redundancy in, like, putting its combo together, but it doesn't have, like, a way to... Recoup like oh man, all my cards are dead. Like it's oh, yeah. it's not great at when you just go like lightning bolt, lava dart. Here are some phoenixes. Like rebuild very quickly, or you're gonna die. Yeah, I think there's a a ton of cool interplay with all these new cards that we can do once Hogak is out of the format. Yeah, I mean I'm yeah. really excited to talk about that when it's relevant, and I guess yeah. it's just not right now. It's a bummer too because I was so excited for Modern Horizons like months ago. It was like too. I cannot wait. For the invitation will be over so that I can start testing new modern. It's going to be great. And now we're here and it's... I want to go back a month. Yeah. And now I have to wait another month and a half for them to ban it. It's like, ugh, We got so much stuff. We got all these Planeswalkers from War of the Spark. We've got all of these cards from Modern Horizons. And it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be playing 58 of the same main deck cards as everybody else who cares in the tournament. Yeah. On that note. (laughs) Yeah. But... Now but, that we've crushed everyone's hopes for modern, <laughs> do you want to crush some hopes for some overhyped cards? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I completely forgot we were doing that. I thought we were just on like a Hogak hate train at this point. Uh, well, we can, well, well, we, we were. Can, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, we can take a second and talk about cards that we thought were a little bit overhyped. Mine is just Flusterstorm. I don't think that this card is going to do particularly that much in modern. We don't have counter wars the way there are counter wars in Legacy. We might have like a tiny bit more now that Force of Negation exists, but that's so restrictive in like when it actually happens that I don't think it creates the same like Force of Will days you like force, you know, cast a brainstorm to find a force and force back. Like, I guess that doesn't, that's not what you would do if you got dazed, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Flusterstorm is just not like relevant in yeah. a lot of the stacks that modern tends to create. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Flusterstorm shines in counter wars mm-hmm. where you know people are throwing counter spells at each other that just doesn't doesn't exist in modern yeah no. um, plus spell piercing planeswalkers is really important yeah and <laughs> cutting your spell pierces for fluster storms is a recipe to just get like narcissed out of the game <laughs> yeah yeah for the before the podcast i had to remind collins fluster storm was 
legal and modern now. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I, right. And I, I told the story earlier, but I'll tell it again on the cast of <laughs> Zan bought a box uh, of Modern Horizons and brought home the, the, the buy box promo. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he like showed it to me and he handed it to me. I was like, wait a minute, this card's in the set. How throughout all of our week of testing and playing the Grand Prix <laughs> did I not see this card a single time? But it turns out it's not actually in the set. It's like the box topper only. So I, but I had a, a, a crazy mind blowing moment. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, well, the only time I ever see Flush of Storm seeing play is if Storm mm-hmm. somehow resurgences. Yep. Uh, and it's it's good. Copy. Storm. Yeah. Counters Grave Shot pretty well. Not great, but good. Yeah. I mean. If they really, if they go off, like really go off a storm, you counter a grape shot and then they just like cast another grape shot. Yeah, that's what I said. Not great, but good. So yeah. you cast earlier in the turn. That yeah, probably. You, you try to get <laughs> something relevant, but like sometimes they generate so much mana so quickly that like you get, yeah, I can t- totally counter this past in flames, but like they have another past in flames they can cast. So, but yeah, yeah, can be fine there for sure. Uh, what are our other overhyped cards? Oh, I've forgotten the name of mine, but it's the white-blue changeling. Um, oh, uh, something mariner. It is some sort of mariner. No, it's un- Unsettled Mariner. Okay. Yeah, Unsettled Mariner. So this is the uh, white-blue um, shapeshifter with changeling, so it's all creature types. It's a 2-2. says whenever you uh, or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls counter that spell or ability unless the controller pays one. A lot of people have been talking about this as, like, it technically is a human, mm-hmm. so you can play it in humans. You can also play it in spirits. You can also play it in, you know, just kind of whatever creature deck you want to throw it in. Mar- sure. <laughs> yeah. It is worse than it looks. It People have been thinking that it might be kind of like an extra Thalia, but the difference between only taxing, like, removal spells versus taxing literally everything is huge huge so i just don't think this is a modern playable card when your opponent plays or when you play unsettled mariner you pass turn like kind of ithalia ish yeah and your opponent just goes seren visions yeah cast card right like oh yeah it's like oh that didn't that didn't do what grizzly bear is not really (laughs) doing a lot but next turn when he tries to target my thing it'll cost a little more Uh yeah yeah, it like yeah it taxes just the lightning bolts out of phoenix pretty much like um yeah, I mean, it'll probably see a little play and be okay in spots, but it is cute that, like, you can't really grape shot them with this out. Unless, yeah, Valakut and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it's, it's you can't really Valakut them. You, like, Searing Blaze gets, uh, triggers this twice. Thoughtseize gets triggered by it as well. So, like, it probably is better in some spots than you would realize, and also because it's a trigger, you might get people sometimes, so that's okay. I guess probably bad, like not great for the card design, but that's how it has to work. Yeah, it it can only happen like that once. Then your opponent remembers. Right, right. But every once in a while, you'll <laughs> that's just how it works. Get a yeah. card. Um, but yeah, like it's it's just not as good as as people are giving it credit for. Yeah. I don't think my card was I don't remember the name of it. Echo of the Eons, I think. Who knows? Echo oh, the Eons. the wheel. Yeah. yeah, it's time twister for you. You sorcery text of time twister. Yep. Uh, and it's got flashback for two. You. And I don't I don't think this is that hyped anymore. Uh, especially for modern, mm-hmm. uh, because it just doesn't do a whole lot there. Yeah. People got excited about its, you know, context with uh, Narset. Um, yeah, yeah. But outside of that, yeah, that's like a big setup for yeah, like a payoff that doesn't affect the board at all. 
It has to be in your graveyard to cost three mana, so you gotta get it there. Then yeah. you have to have a Narset in play, which has to live a turn, <laughs> unless you have six mana to cast Narset and this card. It's just a lot of work. And the payoff is like you identity crisis them, basically. Yeah, like, you get to draw seven. That's cool. you get to draw seven, but like you did a lot of work for you, this. You you earned it, you and you have really to be head on board with your Narset deck, and that's yeah. hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. You cast Narset too. Like part of this is that you have the Narset in play, so yeah. that's. That's a really tough ask. And, like, all the, like, Faithless Looting decks and stuff, like, really care about their graveyard, and they're not trying to draw seven cards and while they're shuffling their it, graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be better as a wheel. It'd be really it'd good be, as a wheel. I think it'd be broken as a wheel, because just imagine this in Dredge. Oh, oh. And stop imagining it. It's okay. too far. Yeah, it's too far. All right. All right. Yeah. I ha- okay. That's, a moment. That's actually, that's actually just mill your whole deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, wait, it has five. Oh, you get to mill. Oh. Oh. <laughs> But I do, I have seen a couple of legacy lists with this card in it. I think there's a lot of ways to do this in legacy. I like Entomb for it. That's good. all zero mana artifacts, dark rituals and stuff like that. Yep. Try to like kill them in a turn. Yep. I think it's really cool. Uh, It's, it did well in one of the challenges they got second. Yeah, I can buy this being great with Entomb. Um, Lion's Eye Diamond that you mentioned as well. Really powerful cards. That aren't available in modern. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just don't have the tools to make this work. You you can't put this in a Faithless Looting deck and expect it to do a thing. You need, like, fast mana in a way to yeah, right. just get in the graveyard very reliably. And right. modern doesn't have any of those. Yeah. It has very few of those things, and none of them really will line up with this. So Legacy and Vintage could be interested, yeah. for sure. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can absolutely see it doing stuff in those formats, and that that's pretty cool, but those are formats that aren't really relevant to me very much. Okay. Um, and yeah, We'll get I, you playing Legacy one of these days. Chris. Yeah, I mean, it'll have to happen, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. If we can, if we can put together an Echo Eons deck in Legacy that works, I, I'm down to play that for sure. So, solid. I like some Tombs. It's one <laughs> of my favorite cards. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, that's some Modern Horizon stuff. We will see how things break down over the next couple of months. I don't know. Hoping for the best. Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Oh yeah, always a pleasure. I love talking about modern. Even it's if it's ruined. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad again. Um, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the hookup deck's kind of novel. I want to be part of history playing it. Yeah, right up know. until, hopefully, you know, a few weeks from now. Definitely yeah. going to be part of the Eldrazi winter. Oh, yeah. I, w- I want to be in that, that yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't top the, eight team tournament. Yeah, of, I don't want to be on the other side. No. It, right, yeah. Hogak summer. It sounds kind of like smelly, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, alter, alter something. Yeah. yeah, is is Hogak supposed to be like a hog? Is that is that he's an avatar? Yeah, he's just he's he like is a, an avatar, but so he's he's, he's, he's an arisen corpses. necropolis. So he's like the um, whole graveyard of corpses. Yeah, just like it, gets if up. You zoom in on the art; it's just a bunch of bodies, and his face is just a bunch of corpses. It's pretty gross. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, so yeah, but. Also, thanks to everybody so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Next week, we will see some of you live, whoever wants to. Stay tuned. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. If you want to lend us some support, we really appreciate our patrons. And if you head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast, you can give us some support. We really, really appreciate it. Super awesome. Uh, Come hang out in the Discord. Come see our awesome fan art that people are starting to do. <laughs> Collins, I don't know if you saw Josh's fan art. Oh, uh oh. It's adorable. Am I gonna have a live reaction right now yeah, on the cast? I think so. Probably. Uh, Chris put it as his his Twitter banner. Okay. Uh, I saw it the other I, I, saw, I saw it before when Josh posted it, but it's oh. like his Twitter banner right now. It's super cute. It's like this notepad doodle. I asked for recommendations for playmat artists, and Josh said, well, 
if you commission me. <laughs> Phenomenal. I love it. Um, so yeah, come come check out my Twitter at CCR underscore Grindcast and you can see Josh Hagen's wonderful illustration of us. Excellent, excellent. Accurate. I like how there's a phoenix in between us. It's great. It's Th- this is also accurate. I'm, I'm sitting with them in this position, and it's it's perfect. Yeah, you can't, like, can you even tell, like, which one is the laptop and which one is us sitting here? <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's just held by the microphone's plug in. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That does the microphone doesn't plug into us. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you can also head straight to our website, mtggrindcast.com, where you find links to all of our episodes, to Collins' coaching services, all that good stuff. Um, you can also find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grandcast. Again, uh, Collins also on social media. At Collins Mullen. Lee, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at Lee McLeo on Twitter. Great. Again, thanks everybody so much for listening. And have a great week. Peace. Bye.